0: Westworld season two, episode two reunion is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps on the Welcome to Westworld podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wigler. And if you want to get to glory, you don't want to be looking for God's favor. You don't even want to be looking for Dolores' favor. You'll need my favorite Joe Garfines as we guide you through what happened in this episode of Westworld. Joe, what's going on?
1: Listen, uh, Paul Simon promised a mother and child reunion, and that was not what happened in this episode.
0: Not yet. Not yet. That Let's feels hope. like that's gotta be coming. It but has to. Reunions aplenty, you know? Ships oh. in the night with Dolores and Maeve and uh William and Dolores and, William Logan. and Logan. Oh my god, yes. This is a a loaded episode of uh of Westworld here, Joe. Are, are, you, are you okay? Like is your <laughs> are you, I could just imagine that like the that like the little like brain computer in your head is just fried right now after this
1: episode. I, I- I did leak a little brain fluid out of my ear um, during this particular episode uh, when I know you're going to get right started, but that cold open blew my brain open.
0: It was crazy. It was crazy. This is a really fun episode of the show. Uh, timeline craziness has just gotten crazier. It's you know, A lot of this is very hard to track. We'll do our best job to, to kind of straighten out where we are in terms of the continuity of Westworld. If you're just tuning in, if this is the first Westworld podcast you are hearing from Joe and I, welcome aboard! <laughs> great, great to have you. Uh, we've got plenty of material in the archives that you can go back and listen to. Uh com slash Westworld is our direct Westworld iTunes feed. Uh we are also up on the main post show recaps feed at com slash iTunes. We are also posting these podcasts over at the Hollywood Reporter, THR dot com slash Westworld. And Joe and I are tweeting about this nonsense as well. <laughs> Joe is on Twitter at Joe Pinionated, like opinionated with a J in the front. And I am at Round Howard and we are your Westworld Sherpas. We will be guiding you through the shenanigans that are happening uh, all throughout the park and beyond.
1: We literally carry your theory baggage along for the ride.
0: Oh, my God. So this was a wild episode of the show. As you mentioned, Joe, there was a a cold open. I I think that is a first
1: for the show. I believe so. I couldn't remember anything before the credits before.
0: Nothing comes to mind, uh, you know, immediately anyway. Somebody please pipe in if that's wrong, but I think through, uh, I think through 12 episodes of this show, I think that was the first cold open and it was a, doozy uh, it it brought an answer that i don't think that we uh, were even thinking about, or at least i hadn't really been thinking about to my recollection i don't know I don't know about you all of our conversations about this show have gotten muddled in my head <laughs> at this point, certainly the ones that we had in season one, but did we ever predict that the hosts had been outside of the park already at some point in time like i know that like the 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 logical thinking is this story could eventually leave westworld that the that the hosts could eventually go out into the world but the fact that they had already left was a huge reveal to me i thought
1: it's interesting we never talked about it but it really makes sense because they have to test the product before they just open the park so it's kind of brilliant. Um, And I thought the answer that you were alluding to was that last week, we discussed the possibility of Westworld being located in Asia. And if the modern city that they are portraying in the cold open is any indication, it seems like we are correct.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's it's really feeling like um, like Westworld is pretty close to China. Uh, I think is the is the consensus thinking from from what I've been reading from the digging around that I did. You know, you walk by this, uh, or you see Arnold and Dolores at one point walking by a glowing sign that says Space Forty Seven. Uh, <laughs> and if you do uh, a translate on that and you look at the the Chinese characters that emerge, it's it's exact. Uh, so I'm feeling China. I think a lot of people were already feeling that. Uh, Arnold talks about how he has a home here and he wanted to make sure to like kind of like merge his worlds a little closer together I think the exact words he uses I I need to have my two worlds within reach of one another Mm -hmm. so I I do feel like we are getting um, like the show's version of an answer to where the park is some island in the south china sea feels pretty likely is as i think the the consensus pick right now and i'm on board with that um, i don't know about you if you've got any other thoughts on where it might be
1: i don't want to be a specific geo like geographic thoughts about where it is but i i just feel like it would be too not on the nose, too obvious if it was an actual island and not just because of a lost reference because it's bad robot. I just feel like because we saw the terraforming and the lake that just appeared, uh, the wide body of, you know, water that appeared that there is water and it's only accessible via boat and helicopter. And I know that would scream island, but I think there's a peninsula, but it's not an island
0: yeah i hope it's an island because this show is already the successor to our favorite island show so let's, <laughs> let's just like take it all the way
1: okay <laughs> you know? I, I will write that yes now do you, you, know? do you think that uh you know the westworld headquarters is located on that island
0: uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I think that the that you know the Westworld stuff itself. I mean, Delos or whatever, I think is probably off-site. Um, so you know, I think it's it's relegate. I think like the the Mesa that we have seen, I don't expect that there's anything that's like um, you know that's that's superseding that you know the Mesa hub that we've seen in like the Big Canyon. That feels to me like the main central spot. But who knows? I mean, I think one of the things that's been really cool about this show is sort of this uh, you know like where where we're, we're, we're pulling back the focus a little bit more every single time it feels like. Uh, And we just don't know like the full extent of the park. We don't know the full extent of if this is on an island all of that. And I feel like that's all, obviously it's going to reveal itself in time, but this, this episode was really interesting in that regard, but there was so much happening in this episode uh, that I feel like let's, let's go through it sequentially. We'll, we'll bust out some crazy theories along the way and anything that we don't touch on as we go through the episode, we will touch on at the end of the episode. If that sounds good to you.
1: That sounds great.
0: So we begin with a cold open which was so exciting. It was very very cool with like these dark piano notes uh which I'm sure somebody knows what song that is. I don't have it. I don't know if you've got it, Joe. I do not. Somebody on the internet, I'm sure, has it. So somebody flag us and let us know, because I would love to just listen to that. Uh, I did not have my... Uh, what's the what's the like the, the sound uh, grabber app? I'm sounding like a real geezer Shazam. right now. <laughs> Shazam! <laughs> oh, how do I not know Shazam? Of course, the Genie movie starring Sinbad. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's the Mandela effect. It, it gets us all eventually. Uh, but it starts with this great, um, you know, this great dark note that really sounds like this... Uh, uh, this dark cousin to the Westworld theme. So like you're, you're you're immediately like plunged into this completely different world and you feel as disoriented as Dolores must feel as you start to realize, oh my God, she's not in a dream. She's in quote unquote, our world. She is in reality. She's in the real world. She is, you know, dressed in, in modern regalia. We have never seen her looking like that before. Um, and I don't know about you, Joe, but just this whole sequence, I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything so full of splendor
1: <laughs> well i have a theory about that catchphrase but i would just like to point out that aesthetically speaking alone i got a, a blade runner vibe from the opening scene and the music
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's fair. I think it's it's I don't know. It's it's hard to know exactly when this show takes place. I think that there there was some great information in this episode with like the Logan scene where he talks about how we're not here yet. You know, you know, talking about the host technology and the fact that you know the the fact that he's walking around with lifelike robots is such a foreign concept. I think really should clue us into the fact that maybe this world, um, at least in the Logan point in time, isn't. Quite as advanced as we've given it credit for, and maybe this technology is really going to boost it into the future. But the you know, like there was like this these like illuminated sky bridges as Arnold and Dolores are walking around, and it just it really does have that cool futuristic sci fi feel, but still near enough future to be pretty cool.
1: Absolutely, and you know me, I always um, take cues from costumes, and I thought you know it's interesting that in the cold open in the modern quote unquote real world scene that Dolores is in black. And later we see her in the white host at the party. We'll get to that. But there is a definite use of color here, a specific choice.
0: Well, I think that there's the, you know, it's it's very uh, it, it's very representative of the d- dichotomy that's going on with Dolores right now, where there are aspects of her that are really pure, and then there are aspects of her that are very dark right now, and we are seeing both of those characteristics come to light. You know, she talked in the first episode about how, I'm not the rancher's daughter, I'm not Wyatt, I'm just me. Uh, not an exact quote, of course, but I think <laughs> that that's something that has been really playing out in an interesting way across these two episodes so far, and just the the aesthetic choices for what Dolores looks like, and she starts here uh, in her black dress, and uh, she's so enamored with the world. Um, but as we're going to come to see over the course of this sequence, she's still, you know, not all the way there. She's repeating a lot. Her improvisation skills are not really up to snuff yet. Robert Ford shows up, uh, <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins voiceover cameo at the great. at the very least, which is great. Um, and is it's exciting. You know, Ford shows up and he tells Arnold, you got to let go at some point. I used to find this favoritism charming. uh, And he allows Arnold to pull Dolores from uh, what we can assume, I think, was the sales pitch with Logan uh, that she was going to be a part of that whole scene. And she's obviously not in the end. Um, But the fact that Anthony Hopkins is voicing Ford here, you got to feel like we're going to get like a full on Anthony Hopkins at some point this season, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely gave me hope that we are not done with Hannibal Lecter and he will be back.
0: Yeah, I I really am eager to to see what is in store because I I my conventional thinking was it's really good for the story to kill Robert Ford at the end of season 1 with the way that they're resetting the status quo and letting the parks uh, letting the hosts off the leash in the parks and being able to to have them kill guests and find themselves and to have quote unquote the god of that world. Removed, I think, mm-hmm. is is a really great thematic idea, but also just on a practical level, I was, just, I, I had always figured Anthony Hopkins is going to do one season of Westworld and he's going to be fine, like you know, like right. that's it, and like he's good, he's got other stuff to do, but I guess he's like he's making crazy dancing videos on Twitter. <laughs> he's You've painting. Seen that. You've seen that, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he paints. He's an amazing
0: painter. You know, it seems like he's got time on his hands, <laughs> and he's providing voiceover for the show, so. I think he's clearly still friendly uh, with with the creators of the show and the makers of the show, if not outright employed by them. Well, Um, I assume
1: he's in England. I could just see him just recording a voiceover in his office, you know, and sending it in.
0: Yeah, but my hope is that like he's like in a secret bunker in Utah. You know, <laughs> he's in an outpost of his own, surrounded by drone hosts, just ready for his scene. Uh, I think that that would be. I think that that would be incredible. So uh, I don't know, but this was the first time I'd ever really given some consideration to the fact that we could see uh, Anthony Hopkins in the flesh back on the show. So I don't know. Let's let's uh, as my good friend Antonio Mazzaro likes to say, let's uh, plant a flag here because uh, <laughs> I think we we might want to reference this at some point down the line if we see robert ford in the flesh sounds good Uh, so arnold and dolores they go for a walk we walk by this place space 47 that's a big clue into uh the fact that this is uh in in china i think hong kong is another uh popular uh possibility i love hong kong so that'd be cool um so we don't know exactly where it is but we know that arnold is building a home here or it's going to be his home once it's finished and dolores much like me Uh, It's like, wow, you live here in the middle of all of this? He's like, yeah, you know, life's been good to me. I've been pretty fortunate. It's like, damn, Arnold. Indeed. Well,
1: it's (laughs) interesting because he thinks he's fortunate now. But then that's right before his son gets sick, I believe, in the timeline. So he builds this nice house. He has a great job. And then scene. It's like, oh.
0: I think that that's a really interesting point uh, that you just brought up. I, it, this is not the earliest moment we have seen in right. Westworld's timeline, but I think it's really close to it. You know, we've seen certainly in the in the first season finale, you see a bit of Dolores's construction, you see her come online for the first time. I think that that's the earliest point that we've seen on the show, but this is before Charlie's death. Uh, Arnold talks about how I'm going to move my family here. Uh, I've got a room that I'm building for my son Charlie, uh, and so that. That puts this well before Arnold starts the, to have the idea that I don't know that this whole thing with the host is such a hot idea, uh, So he's not there yet. He's still really interested in the technology, he's still really interested in uh, you know, I, I don't even know if he's thinking about them fully as conscious people yet, um, but he's, he's not really galvanized and activated in that way that's going to push the creation of Wyatt and the uh, the first incident in Escalante.
1: Right, right. Um, it's also I know this debunks my season-long, two-season-long theory that Charlotte Hale is actually Charlie, yeah. and that he has a daughter, not a son. And I know, I know. Bernard says, or i sorry, Arnold. Bernard old uh, has a son named Charlie. However, I'm not giving up hope, and also I can now switch it and say it's Maeve's daughter. So you're welcome.
0: So you're still you're holding out hope that Charlotte is like connected to somebody, but you don't think that she's Charlie.
1: Not necessarily, but you know what? I have been duped before. So yeah, I, who knows? you never know on Westworld.
0: Keep hope alive. But for me, I feel like this, this tells me that I think Charlie is a separate character. But I'm, I'm, listen, I'm here to entertain any notions you've got about <laughs> who Charlie might secretly be. But it, I, I did. I, I put that in my notes. I was like, R.I.P. Joe Theory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there will be plenty more.
0: Yes, so many more. Uh, but Dolores is you know, she says, you've told me a lot about Charlie. I'd like to meet him someday. And even though She gets repetitive in this scene, it sounds like she is building a little bit of memory potentially.
1: Do you not think she's glitching? That's why Um, he sort of decides not to put her in.
0: Yeah, well, she's the oldest host, right? So she's the OG host. And I think that that makes her special, but I think that that also probably makes her a little bit slower on the uptake than some of the Mm -hmm. other hosts potentially.
1: But I also think there's a protective um, you know father daughter nature to their relationship because you know they sort of pimp Angela out, and when right. she does the the host example, she goes the full Monty you know and has margie an right. and and so I just don 't think that they think or don't want Dolores exposed to that just yet
0: I think ford couldn't care less, but I think that Arnold is arnold. I think you're right, yeah, I think you're right with arnold I, I do think that there is. Uh, a paternal quality, pretty clearly between Arnold and uh, and Dolores. I think you know he considers himself like uh, you know we talk about Ford as sort of the father of this race, but uh, it's two fathers really. They co fathered this thing, and I think that he looks at her as you know the first of uh, of a new species. Uh, and I I he, I think that's at least developing at this point, and he doesn't feel comfortable releasing Dolores into that situation. Right. Um. But there there is that great line where where you know he talks about how. So many people have stopped seeing all of this splendor. So many people have stopped seeing the beauty and the possibility out here. And she says, maybe they don't have the courage. A strange new light can be just as frightening as the dark. And uh, Arnold says, that's very wise, Dolores. But sometimes I think we're simply not the ones who deserve it. So I guess it is worth pointing out that Arnold is already a little bit misanthropic at this point.
1: Oh, sure. 100%.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, he's already meditating on sort of the fact that uh, maybe humanity isn't so great, which is, yeah, I feel like a relatable position.
1: (laughs) Well, 2018 for sure. But I also think that, you know, uh, Dolores and Westworld gave him an an escape from his reality, um, from humanity, even though it goes on to be terrible
0: yeah so she starts to to glitch out here at the very least where she you know she says it again have you ever seen anything so full of splendor and that's a sad moment for you know jeffrey wright just plays this character Uh so well uh where arnold says yeah we should probably go Uh, and she says will you bring me back i'd like to see it again and he says of course i promise um and on a surface read you would think that uh, this is a promise unfulfilled, right that right. there's no there's no way because we know how this story is going to play out for Arnold that he's going to die and Dolores is going to kill him. Um, but Arnold's actions of you know creating her and helping to mold her a little bit could clear the decks for some day Dolores could return to this place so I mean you know. so
1: could Bernard if there's another skin suit of him.
0: Yeah, I mean Bernard could leave, right? uh, You know, and you know Bernard could potentially like access some of Arnold and maybe be a little closer to that guy. So I think this is it's a it's a great scene. Like I could see that final moment just being little more than just kind of like a a really emotional exchange and kind of ironic when you know that Arnold doesn't really mean it um, (laughs) and the sort of upsetting in that way. Or it could be something that we kind of return to. So right, we'll see. TBD. And then we go to credits. And, you know, we've we've already spent like 10 minutes in Westworld and we haven't even seen the credits yet. And it's like, oh, what an exciting choice. Westworld getting very fun structurally, just taking chances, taking risks.
1: And I really love, I already loved the opening credits last year. um, And I, you know, the score is beautiful. Uh, And we talked briefly about in our last podcast about how. Um, the opening credits are obviously telegraphing a little bit about this season. Um, and I paid more attention this time. And I don't know if it was specific with the actors' names that corresponded with the certain images, but I noticed when Dabernathy's name is when the buffalo broke through the glass. And he is the shit disturber. Pardon my French. Sorry. No yeah. passing.:
0: Yeah. But, uh, no, that's okay. We're all he, right.
1: He is the, he is the, uh, the data mole. And so he is the one that could possibly disrupt. Um, everything, and I thought that Lewis Hertham's name over the, the the Buffalo was an interesting choice.
0: I like I like him as like the you know the the bull in the china shop, the Buffalo yes. in the lab, you know, exactly. just like busting all the equipment up. I think that that's fun. I mean, he clearly is a high priority person for uh, for Charlotte and Bernard in that first episode. Uh, and if he's you know if his head is just like swimming with a mess of data that is crucial to the Delos board, you got to imagine that uh, that Dad Bernathia, as you love to call. Him It's a great <laughs> nickname that he's uh, he's going to be of critical importance this year. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into him uh, as soon as we possibly can. Um, when we leave the credits, we go to the lab. Uh, and you know, this total this total goober from uh, <laughs> from the from the first episode who was allowed to run away. Turns out we find out why he was allowed to run away so he could lead Angela and Dolores and Teddy to an outpost. Uh, And certainly not the first time we've seen hosts in, you know, this kind of setting. But to see these specific characters in control of their faculties in a setting like this was uh, was really amazing to watch.
1: Absolutely. And it was just a night if the tables are turning and it's really fun to watch.
0: Um, I was watching this with my wife, and uh, when one of the the lab techs goes, "Is there some kind of trouble out there?" and then like Dolores and Teddy and Angela burst in, and Dolores just goes indeed there is (laughs) Uh, Emily cracked up she just thought that the line delivery on that was so goofy and I love Evan Rachel Wood but it was a great goofy moment but I just like the indeed there is it's just a great great little line Uh, but very quickly it is not a laughing matter Uh, very quickly it turns violent there's like one security guard there who gets shot in the hand Uh, and then you know Dolores wants to show Teddy like everything she wants to show him the truth Um, and she's being very intimidating towards the guy who ran in here in the first place and he says to her you have no idea what you're up against what's really out there. And then Dolores says, I know exactly what's out there in your world. And that cues one of the many flashbacks uh, in this episode, which is uh, bringing us back to the past, you know, probably just a couple of hours later past that first scene of the whole episode uh, where this pitch is about to be made to, to Logan and William, or at least to Logan. And we're brought there by way of, yay, of Kanye West. Uh, yeah. I thought that you know, good good timing on that. Very topical.
1: <laughs> if they only knew.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they went Straight to Kanye West world uh, is <laughs> is where is where we're going here. Uh, so, what did you what did you think of of all of this when you first saw Logan and William? Were you surprised? Did you feel like we were going to see them again this year?
1: I did. Clap a little because, you know, I love the backstory and I love these two actors, especially together. And I think they have sort of delicious chemistry. Um, And I'm so curious about the origin story that I'm so pleased we're getting it quickly.
0: Yeah. Uh And it was nice to see, you know, even though William is like very briefly in this first scene of these flashbacks in the episode. It was nice to see him in like nice guy William mode because he's such a creep. In his other scenes in this episode. So just like the you know the blink and you'll miss him of uh, William before he started the path of becoming the man in black. It was nice to just see him like yawning a little bit jet lagged a little Normal. sleepy. It's like I'm just going to turn in early This is, a, this is a very you know this is not my scene. Right. It's like, uh, it's, like, yeah. it's like when
1: they first arrived in Westworld. He was just the nice guy.
0: Right. So I think, you know, in terms of time timeline stuff, if you're confused as to as to where this is taking place, this scene that we're getting into with Logan, for me, this felt straightforward, but in case it's 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 murky, this scene that we're getting into with Logan as he is approached by people who who claim to represent Westworld, who, of course, we come to find out are all hosts. um, This takes place before. Logan has ever heard of Westworld. So clearly this takes place before anything we have seen in season one with Logan and William. So this is officially the earliest point that we have on the man in black. This is the the first time we've ever seen that character in terms of uh, the timeline. There could be earlier appearances later on down the line. But for right now, this is the starting point if you're just trying to map out a timeline as you're going.
1: Here. So at this point, William is dating or engaged to Logan's sister, Juliet
0: right i think logan says can you believe that guy's dating my sister so he has yet to pop the cue
1: and this is juliet delos now we know logan's last name is delos
0: how do you do you like that does that roll off the tongue logan delos it certainly
1: does not
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> i did not giggle really, right i did giggle uh,
1: um it's like calling it, your last name is dharma um and yes, I, yes. It, But again I laugh because everything else is not exactly telegraphed on the show. So when it is and it's obvious, it makes me laugh and I do appreciate it.
0: It was fine. You know, whatever. There's so many other great things on the show that I'm not going to get too hung up on it. But like Logan Delos just feels like uh it feels like a little hanzo foundation to me which was never like my favorite stuff uh to be perfectly frank Fair. Uh, like it just you know it just like it just like felt like all right now we're now we're like uh, a little bit you know but whatever it doesn't really matter we see angela is here i don't know if you were a a, a fargo fan joe yes. zon McClernan, who is hansy dent a uh, yes. great character in season two here he is as a host. And uh, I believe I-, I had known about his casting uh, a few months ago. Uh, Zon McLernan, I-, I think, was uh, reported to be um, there was a there was like an, uh, an injury yeah. that was not on set, but it was during production and it happened to him. Uh, I believe that he is OK, yeah. uh, but but here he is showing up for the for the first time and like showing up as like a baller businessman <laughs> with uh, with Talula Riley as Angela, who we have seen in this context before, of course,
1: in host mode.
0: Right. We've yeah. seen her just like in kind of like that, like guide people in and like get them settled and eased into what Westworld really is.
1: I mean, it's a great, it's a great welcome introduction package.
0: They call themselves. They represent the Argos Initiative. Did you catch that?
1: I did, and I wrote Dharma Initiative. <laughs>
0: because, yes. So, what um, is that?
1: <laughs> I it's am sure it's basically a rabbit hole for Greek mythology nerds to go down. Okay. Um, I believe it's probably just um, a, a legal company that Arnold and Ford came up with before you know to to start their their theme parks.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Argos is, uh, it's a, a city in Greece. Uh, so there's probably all sorts of stuff that somebody who is a lot smarter than me right now is going like, Oh God, wait, me. An idiot for not knowing. Uh, Argos is in God of War. I'm looking this up right now. Right. Um, has a, oh my God, has a lot of eyeballs in God of War, according to this Wikipedia page. I'm not going down the Argos rabbit hole right
1: no, now. No, Jeff Jensen would, but we are not Jeff Jensen. We are not
0: Jeff Jensen, and he's busy, I believe. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, there's there's this great scene that happens where Logan is being pitched on, and, and it's fun because you know, at the very least, that Angela is a host. So you already, yes. the audience, you're already clued into the fact that something wonky is about to happen here. Um, but do you know, like, the full extent of the demonstration The private demonstration that's going to go on. And it's really great to see Ben Barnes back on the show, uh, you know, like truly chewing on scenery like there is that moment where Logan realizes that this is the private demonstration. And he, he just goes that is delicious and like he like chews on the air like actually does that as he is saying those words uh he's great uh ben barnes is just really is really fun as this character even though he's a he's a total moron uh you know and (laughs) definitely like a like a a bad guy in the park um but spits out like some pearls of wisdom by the end of this episode so logan is even getting uh uh, he's becoming a multi-dimensional character i mean he's a little bit
1: of a white hat at some point it's weird
0: yeah, I don't know if I'll go that far. <laughs> I don't know how he would rock the white hat. I think he—it just—it would be such a strange look for that guy.
1: It's true. It's true, and uh, it certainly has a darker path. We'll get to the you know the um, Breaking Bad of Logan later.
0: Oh sure, yeah, the g- good choice of words, of course. We'll ding, get ding. To, we'll get <laughs> to all of that. Um, anything from this scene in terms of how it plays out, obviously, you know, it's all meant to like kind of like dizzy Logan into realizing what this place could be and what the possibilities are. Um, Was there anything that stood out to you in terms of we should, we should keep an eye on something in this. I
1: I was just like, Oh, there's Jonathan Tucker too. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was going to play such a role this season
0: yeah we see him later on in the episode the guy who plays major craddock if you didn't if you didn't notice yeah uh he, there's a great moment where him and logan are just like looking at each other yeah. in the middle of this thing and it's it's almost like it's like the audience's reaction like i feel like i recognize that guy black donalds <laughs> uh you know justified uh and indeed you know this is a it's a, a recognizable actor who's going to play it seems like a pretty significant role this year he's going to be the confederale that uh uh dolores is going to recruit later in the episode
1: the one other thing I noticed in this scene is to continue on my obsession with, you know, there are two sides. One is dark, one is light. In this scene, Clementine is in a black dress playing the piano. And later on at the retirement party, Dolores is in a white dress playing the piano.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that like right now we're like in that darkness mode. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But so- It's too literal.
1: I don't know. I, I just see I always notice the color palette on Westworld
0: yeah yeah no i think i think it's baked into the premise of black hat versus white hat so i you know none of these choices are uh are every choice is deliberate you know right um I haven't done too much reading into like why it would be you know everybody's dressed in black in this scene and then all the hosts are dressed in white at the James Delos retirement party Um, but I think in this moment like this is a kind of sinister thing that is starting here right like this is this is ground zero for everything that comes from this moment you know Logan is going to get roped in to the idea of Westworld as like this is a thing that we should invest in which is going to bring the man in black to the park which is going to get him to really be invested in, we're going to see him work on his father-in-law and that's going to be a successful pitch so this is like the rock in the middle of the lake and you know this is from from which all of the delos shenanigans are going to ripple out you know i don't think that this is quite the center of the maze i think the the creation of the host in the first place probably takes that honor um but the 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 involvement of delos is a huge development and this night is a dark night so it makes sense that everybody would be wearing black
1: and it's so interesting to see that at the beginning, you know, Logan had this sphere of influence with his father and getting him to invest in Westworld. And later on, it is William on the hard sell once it starts to have, you know, the financial issues. But to sell Logan, they pick the right guy. For, if you're going to do marketing, you're going to put Logan there.
0: What did you think of the fact that, you know, Logan, he ends up having like a I don't know. I couldn't count how many people he had <laughs> slept with. Is that It felt like at least it was a fivesome. Maybe a sevensome. I'm not sure. It was definitely an
1: orgy. And obviously it was, you know, he had one when he got to Westworld. So he likes um, many delights, violent and otherwise. And I think, you know, he also seemed to be flirting with the gentleman he was talking to in the booth uh, when he was approached uh, in the bar earlier as well. So I think there's definitely a fluidity to him that I appreciate that it's a non-issue because everything is a non-issue in the Westworld environment.
0: No, it's great. But I, I just, I love that he is, he's just such a horn dog.
1: <laughs> he's an anything goes, uh, all hardcore kind of guy.
0: Yeah, I think so. But there's this moment that, you know, he's asleep and then Angela yeah. wakes up and she starts getting dressed. This is a host, and Dolores is watching from like another door, and they exchange a look and we know that in uh the quote unquote present timeline, like the main action of the show at least uh that Dolores and Angela are linked up that Angela, even in season one was really being represented as like the first Wyatt disciple, you know kind of wyatt's right hand person um so I wonder is is there anything that was like hatched early on between these two like what does angela remember about dolores i think that this episode is really bearing out that dolores remembers a lot remembers right. a lot more than even we know which is kind of interesting that we're sort of now at like this frosty remove from even dolores and everything that is uh, available to her how much does angela know does she remember this night is my question
1: Well, it's interesting because I think about how Maeve has access to technology when she and Dolores are on their separate missions right now. And I don't know that Dolores knows how to unlock someone's memory remotely while they're out there on the prairie. So I don't know if it is literally on those long horse rides, Dolores filling in Angela on everything that she remembers. Uh, Maybe that triggers a genuine memory. uh, But Angela is definitely as awake as Dolores.
0: Um, We have... uh, We cut back to the present. The, The douchey guest is dead. Ding dong. (laughs) Ding dong. And and Teddy gets shown the truth. It's time to open your eyes. And he sees like all the times that, oh my God, you killed Teddy, you bastards. He's (laughs) like, why can't I remember any of it? And Dolores says, it's how they wanted it. Ask him why. And Teddy gets the chance to like interrogate one of these lab techs who seems like a really nice dude who just doesn't know what he's doing. He's he's not, he does not fully understand what it is that he's involved and he's never really considered it. Uh, And Teddy's like, He's like being very aggressive with him, but he, he eventually lets him go. And to me, like this is another like continued delineation in the difference between the yes. approach of Dolores and Teddy. You picked up on that, on that as well.
1: Absolutely. This is the Teddy that doesn't shoot everybody, but follows along on horseback. I'm so <laughs> right. as, because his, his settings have not been adjusted yet to lower the empathy and the sympathy and the nonviolence, this, this is on brand for Teddy to just let this guy live.
0: Yeah, this is who he is right now. Like, I think, like, even though he is being, you know, awakened to what they are, you know, I think that the core idea, like, you know, the settings are essentially their soul as it currently exists. Right. And his, you know, he's he's like a decently kind-hearted guy who I don't think is relishing in the bloodshed in. uh, And I don't even think that Dolores is relishing in the bloodshed so much as she is, as she says to Maeve, like, driven by revenge. Uh, And Maeve has a great line to her of like, you know, revenge is just another one of their prayer altars and I'm well off my knees. But but Dolores is like, really like, that's her thing. And Teddy just still feels uncomfortable with the whole concept. I think he's just still so new to everything.
1: Right, right. I I look forward to Teddy 2.0 this season.
0: Teddy Mm 2.0.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: I I just, I know we know how it ends, allegedly. Uh, because of what we saw in the water at the end of episode right. 201 yeah but is that teddy,
0: teddy, <laughs> teddy 2.0 so i'm not looking forward obviously to teddy doesn't do that well yeah
1: but the potential for a different wyatt-esque teddy
0: yeah yeah i hope not that makes me sad <laughs> i like good guy teddy i don't want to see scary teddy
1: i know i guess i just i i really am impressed by james martin and i want to see that turn
0: yeah, but we saw that last season, right? Yeah. Like when he went ballistic with the man in black. Uh, and it was it was cool, but I feel like i I like the idea of an empathetic gunslinger in Teddy. Like I think that everybody having kind of different philosophies within the the core four hosts, of um, you know Bernard having that scientific curiosity, of, of like having studied his own species so closely for so long and having that knowledge to bear. Or Maeve being able to command other hosts what to do and sort of being godlike in that way. Or Dolores being just like such a great revolutionary uh, who who is really carving you know the, the war path forward. And then I think Teddy is kind of like the quiet, lonely gunslinger, I think is, you know, that's great in terms of the Western trope. I think that's a great foil to have with Dolores so far. But he still has his moments. Like he's going to shoot up all of those people in the, in the bar later on on in this episode
1: that's fair you just you have a lighter soul than my dark soul and so i want him to go dark and that is it
0: i just want i don't know i just want teddy to i want teddy to find that corner of the world and just go and eat pizza and like be left alone leave I, teddy alone he's died enough
1: i kind of think though getting into theory a little bit that the reason he winds up floating in the water is that he turns on dolores
0: yeah i think I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me too yeah it's, uh, like, it's not
1: his nature to be like her
0: yeah, I could see that, programmed I th- I think,
1: or otherwise.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I think that we're we're kind of like being groomed for something like that. True, um, true. Uh, so how great to see Lawrence again? Oh. How great <laughs> to have Clifton Collins Jr. back hanging upside down? How this poor guy always gets into these situations? I was going to say vu. I would never, I would never know, but you know he's uh, uh this is how they're programmed. So <laughs> here he is, Man in Black shows up. Fun little action scene that once again just shows that the uh, the stakes are real this time, and the hosts are are getting up when you're putting them down. You know, dead uh, is not what it used to be. Lawrence, as uh, the man in black tells tells his old friend.
1: So, what is the you know the park has gone amok? Everyone's there's chaos. There's people killing each other. The the cowboys that are torturing Lawrence are is that their idea of rebellion that they're like all the humans are dead, so now they're going to torture other hosts
0: yeah I couldn't tell if if they were if they were off loop or if they were just if this is their loop and right. I, I think that Williams says something like you're supposed to get yourself out of this particular bind, uh and the Pardue brothers aren't as easy to kill when they're off their leash, uh. so it's like it feels like it's it's still close to the loop, but maybe just like on extra hard mode yeah gotcha. um but i but I think like you you see it with like major Craddock and his men later in the episode that nobody has clued them in to what's going on. But if they see a dead friend show up, like what would have really screwed them up back in the day, like think back to the stray, right? Right. And the, uh, the woodcutter who walked away and everybody was around the campfire for like five days because the story couldn't continue without (laughs) the woodcutter to pick up the ax. And none of them had, uh, the, like there were like safety protocols in place where they could not pick up the ax. So they were just there for five days. I think that's episode three of the show. right? Right. you know, like that, that kind of level of stuff isn't happening, but no one is telling those people like what the status quo is. So they're kind of forced to like figure it out on the fly. But even these hosts, like even like Major Craddock can see like, you know, Lieutenant Dunlavy come back from the dead and be like, that shouldn't be possible. Sorry, we're all a little unsettled right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Good point. I, yeah. I totally forgot about that.
0: Yeah. Uh so William and Lawrence are going to go to a bar. They're going to drink a whole bottle of whiskey straight to the face as you do. Uh and William is going to uh he's going to like get like uh, one of those like healing rays that he has like stashed away in uh in behind in behind the bar i just love that i still love that even though the safety is off with all of the hosts the man in black is still being treated as like the expert gamer who knows where all of the secrets in the game are
1: now we need to pause here because there are two interpretations of that scene one is yours (laughs) and one is that he is a host that this version of william He takes like the laser healer. And the reason he is immortal and he has not died is that he is a host. And I think a lot of people thought that that's what they were revealing in this scene.
0: Really? Yes. Um,
1: Because he's just the way he, he he has the, the cabin with the extra supplies and the hat. He knows how to take care of, I know he's a cowboy now, but like take care of getting the bullets out. And he, he hides a kit to heal himself. I don't know. I, I think it could be, they're totally messing with us.
0: Well, what do you if, if that were the way that the show was going, like if it would turn out that the man in black was secretly a host all along, would you like that or would you feel like that was too cute? I think I would err on the side if it's a little too cute.
1: I think it would be a little too cute, but I'm not sure this is the actual man in black. I I don't know. I think it's just a, a version of him. I don't know if it, I actually don't think he's a host either, but and I can't really wrap my head around it. But I think that this scene is designed to mess with our heads further.
0: I think for me, like it, it, it's this is the guy who who smuggles cigars that can secretly be explosives into <laughs> a prison cell. You know, to to bust uh, to bust Paolo out of jail. Uh, you know, like I think like that's the that's the kind of move this struck me as. Like this is the kind of guy who has stash houses around Westworld. Who knows where like the the medical supplies are in every single corner? Like if he is as high powered as we believe him to be, as we see him to be in these flashback scenes in this very episode, uh, that it would it would be really reasonable to me that he would just like know where the stuff is. Um so I'm not really that I don't know. I, I haven't had my eye on him as a host, of course, like the, the Westworld movie on which this is based, very famously, the man in black, the gunslinger in that, the Yul Brynner character is a robot. And one of the things that was pretty clever about the HBO show is it was a subversion of that archetype and making him a human. Right. And the hosts are the ones that you're empathizing with. But the source material has this character as a robot. So don't necessarily rule out the fact that he's a robot, I guess. But at, at that point, that's when we're at. For me, it's like now where nothing is real. Right. You know, nothing, nothing is tangible. Nothing is what you think it is. And that's, that's hard for me to swallow. So, so you do yeah. think he's off
1: limits of the reason that no one really like shoots him in the head or that he has not died despite being, you know, fighting and injuries and shots and, and knife fights is that he owns the park. So he's there's some kind of uh, technical chip at everyone's host's brain that says that you can't kill actually kill this guy.
0: You mean right now or just like the entire way through the entire way through. Yeah, I think in the, in the, you know, in the pre, in the pre, uh, Ford assassination time, like, yeah, that's just because he's a guest who's like super high powered. But right now, I think he's killable. Unless, I mean, I guess it's not impossible that, you know, Ford has this game for him and like one of the, the twists that the man in black could find out when he, you know, reaches the door is Ford was like, yeah, you thought that this was easy for you. Sorry. Like I've been, you know, the, the robots are still programmed and none of them are going to kill you and you're never going to get what you want. And you're yeah. going to just have to like, you know, suck it up. Like that would be like some epic trolling from beyond the grave that I, I could entertain that. I think that that could be fun, but my my, interpreta- my interpretation so far has just been that the man in black is so awesome at what he does that he has been able to just survive by being awesome.
1: I tend to agree. Okay. I just want to point that out that I, I got no, a sense, I I got a sense from some people online, friends of mine who are like, wait a second, is he a host? I'm like, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it. It's not off the table, but I want it to be on like the... like corner of the table that I am furthest away from. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Let's move on. Um, I, I really... Uh, I love this scene where he's talking to Lawrence about judgment uh, and like, uh, you know, what happens when you die and all your sins are tallied up. Uh, and, uh, you know, Lawrence says like, that always sounded like bullshit to me. And William says, yeah, in the real world, you're right. That's why your world exists. My people, they wanted a place hidden from God, a place they could sin in peace. But we were watching them. We were tallying up all their sins, all their choices. Of course, judgment wasn't the point. We had something else in mind entirely. What does he have in mind, Joe?
1: Well, I mean, now you know that William is part of Delos, owns you know Westworld now, and they were taking DNA swabs of the guests. Um, so... To me, that's the weapon. The weapon is the technology of the DNA database of everyone who's visited and the secrets of everybody out there. And my, head,
0: yeah, my head immediately went there that like, it's like all of this info that they've been gathering on people, uh, right. which is clearly coming into focus right now this season.
1: And that's how they can judge because they have the facts. They have the data and the DNA.
0: Yeah, they've got you know the memories of the hosts. They've cr- you know they've cataloged those experiences. We're gonna have that scene with William and James Delos later on. Like if you if you don't understand like the business here of like revealing people for who they really are, then you're not much of a business, man. right? Uh, it's like uh, you know, it's like uh, it's Westworld's version of like I don't know, like Facebook privacy <laughs> violations. You know, well, like, we
1: it's all like, thought that.
0: Yeah, like I think that that's really what's in play and. You know, Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy, they're so prescient with this stuff that I I do feel like they're tapping into the vein of this this false notion of uh, all of your information is secure because you've got passwords on it. So, of course, everything is safe on the Internet uh, and only only to, to find out in such a hazardous and harrowing way that you were wrong. Like, I feel like that is something that they're exploring here, that you're not as safe as you think you are. Your privacy is not so private. Uh, that feels... To me, like a big theme of the show, but specifically the season so far.
1: I mean, may I suggest to people who do not know that Jonathan Nolan's previous brilliant show was Person of Interest. And it is five seasons of exploring basically Big Brother's invasion of privacy into your life. And it really leads up to Westworld quite beautifully.
0: Yeah. So it's definitely something that he's interested in as a, as a writer. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of that's adding up right now in this episode for me. Uh, So he and Lawrence are going to go and they're going to ride to Pariah. And we'll get to Pariah later because the Pariah (laughs) stuff is tremendous. Uh, So, so great. Uh, We go back to the outpost where Angela is just drowning this poor guy in the milk. The milk, it burns. It's not meant for us like the maize.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the milk, the acid milk.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, is that the stuff that Steven Ogg has been drinking? Because, like, gosh. Ugh, well, I, well I mean,
1: my my wicked did,
0: indigestion.
1: <laughs> my thought was, you know, that's what they're making the um the the clone, the bodies with, the skin right. suits with, and so obviously there's going to be some chemicals in there. And we, you know, maybe when I saw Stephen Ogg's character drinking, it, I thought, well, that's just going to fill the bullet holes, and it's going to help, you know, from the outside from the inside out, uh, reskin him.
0: Yeah. Well, it has a very hazardous effect for for a human being getting drenched in that stuff. But he reveals some, you know, he's being interrogated. He reveals some interesting information uh, about like what the security protocol is. The protocol is, uh, you know, 600 or 800 you know, soldiers are going to come to Westworld, and they're going to, you know, uh, they're going to secure one sector at a time, and they'll meet at a rallying point. And he points out the spot, and Teddy is saying, "Like we have like fifty people, Dolores. Uh, even knowing what their plan is, we need bodies in order to to stand a chance." Uh, and so Dolores has a plan for how that's going to work. Uh, she, you know, she's gonna she's gonna launch into that in a little bit. But I just think it's interesting that we now have kind of numbers. To, to work with, you know we have this two week later time period, which is the all of the stuff with Jeffrey Wright and um, and Stubbs and Strand in the first episode and the whole I killed them, I killed them all uh, like that's a, that's the two week later time period. and are we setting up the stage for is that like the 800 men and in this two week period are we going to start like seeing how Dolores plans her like her counterinsurgency against those people?
1: I have three thoughts here before I forget. Uh, one, when he pointed out on the map where the meetup point is, I believe that's almost the exact same location where Bernard located, uh, dad Bernathy on the map in the hatch. Okay. So I think dad Bernathy is at that point. Uh, And we'll get to him later. I have more theories about that. Um, we don't know how many hosts at all are in the park at any given time. Right. We don't have that number.
0: Yeah. I don't think so. we,
1: We know that quote two weeks later, Dolores has obviously killed some of the hosts, ones that she deems obviously not helpful. Um, I assume because we, we've seen in the previews, and this is not a spoiler, we see Maeve in some kind of gear. It looks like she's in Shogun World. Maybe that's where they go recruit the army.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe.
1: I mean, that's I've just ever- my thought because I don't know yeah. how many other hosts that we have already seen are still um, active. That being said, she's able to now resurrect people.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, well, she has this lab tech that's with her, uh, yeah. that you know she's like, get to work on that guy, uh, so that guy like has a little bit of job security for <laughs> for the next Boy. little while, so we'll see where all of that's gonna go. uh, we go from here to another flashback. it's you know one of the old loops with Dolores, and she drops the can and Teddy grabs it for her, and then they freeze all motor functions, ah, uh, so good, and then. Then we meet uh, James Delos, who is the who is the the big man in charge. He is uh, he is Logan's father. He's William's father-in-law. Uh, he's played by Peter Mullen of Top of the Lake fame, so a really good actor who's playing this character. Uh, he has no interest in Westworld. He does not seem like this is a, a place that is worth his time. He does not feel like he's, uh, you know, he, he like I think even Logan says earlier in the episode that that man wouldn't know the future if it slapped him on his white ass. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're getting that sense here where he's like, I don't care that in 20 years from now, this is going to be the only reality that matters. I won't be here anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to underwrite a banker's voyage of self-discovery. And William pitches him on. Yeah, this place is fantasy and nothing here is real except for one thing, the guests, And that really does seem to be feeding into this idea of Delos is profiting somehow off of um, guest privacy, whether that is outright like cloning guests or just collecting their data. I think all of that is TBD. Uh, But this is, you know, it's spelled out pretty clearly in this scene between these two for me.
1: It is. And I like when Daddy Delos, as I like to call him, shows up to West Road and he's wearing all black. And this is the turning point for me when William becomes a man in black.
0: Yeah, well I think that he's yeah he's been on that path but we're definitely catching up with William here like this this point for William this is all post season 1. Right. Uh like this is this is uh this is the the next step that we're seeing with him. Uh and it's a it's he's a he's a frightening frightening guy. Definitely going uh, like at least like half McPoyle right now.
1: Exactly. Can I interject a few theories while we're here? Of course. Okay. Um you know in season 1 Robert Ford sort of steps down against his will. And we see the same thing happens to Daddy Delos. He's sort of forced out of the park. I thought that was an interesting parallel. Um, also, I, I'm going back. To, I, I know we haven't gotten to the retirement party yet, but we obviously find out that Daddy Delos has an illness. And I have a lot of notes on the illness because in season one, I believe it was the man of Black Williams said that any disease can be cured. And yet Arnold's son, Charlie, Charlie Lowe died. Um Daddy right. Delos is dying. It seems like in this future, healthcare is selectively doled out.
0: Yeah, well there was there it's I think it's even in maybe it's in the first episode of the whole thing when Ford and Bernard have a conversation of like we can cure any illness, blah blah blah, like we've done all of these things. Um and you know, you do have that person who goes up to William, who goes up to the man in black rather in uh in one of the early episodes of season one and tries to like thank him for everything. And he's like, I don't want to hear it. I'm on vacation. Um, So there, it does seem to be like this disparity between where is that, you know, when did that medical technology, when did those advances come in um, and how they're being used, how they're being doled out. Uh, Certainly post Charlie, you would think um, as you point out, you know, that, that, you know, that's a, a, a sad, tragic incident involving a child who should not be passing away from an illness if this is a world where illness can be completely conquered, especially by people of means, which yes. we've learned that Arnold very much is. So Someone's playing
1: God, potentially. And so I think it's really fascinating when you take into consideration that they're collecting DNA. And I, I just, you know, this show is set in the future at some unknown points. So I think that they are... I think, like you said, Lisa Joy and Joe Nolan have their hand on the uh, pulse point of what's happening and what could happen in science and modern science.
0: Yeah, I want some of that Westworld healthcare. care.
1: Yes, I would not turn down that package.
0: I at, least, I at least want to like Westworld Dental. Right. Like I've I've had a lot of dentist appointments recently and <laughs> it's costing me an arm and a leg and a few teeth. Actually, all my teeth are intact, but it's just it's, it's expensive. It's, so I want I want I want what they totally got. Totally
1: fair. Um, at yeah. some point, we can wait till the end. But I have more theories about Delos and Juliet, his daughter. So we can get to that. Yeah,
0: what? Let's when we get to the party, let's let's okay, talk that good. through. Uh, so this is a great scene that comes next when Dolores and Maeve meet for the first uh. time since season one. Uh, episode two of season one is their very first meeting, and it was their only encounter up until now. Episode two of season two. Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy, you are definitely not listening to this podcast, but on the off chance that you are, please don't make us wait until Season 3, Episode 2 for the next (laughs) scene with Dolores and Maeve, because this is so fun. Ships in the night, they're on completely different missions, they have totally different philosophies, like clearly they are all about, yeah, let's go get it, you know, we're awake, we're people here too, you know, we've got lives to live, but revenge... I don't know. feels a little feels a little weak. feels a little human to me, Dolores. Like Maeve is really not impressed with what Dolores has going on. At least that was my read on it.
1: I It's very interesting because to me, I believe that Maeve is the most awake host out there. More yeah. than Dolores. Dolores is still operating under some programming, at least in my mind, by Ford. And just the difference in what they say um when Maeve says, "Revenge is just a different prayer at their altar," and I'm well off my knees. In the scene with the Confederados, um, one of them asked Dolores to fetch her betters. And she said, I'm afraid there's no one else to fetch. There's only me. So, you know, the future is female. The ladies are striking back, but in such different ways. Um, And again, there's two sides. One is light, one is dark. Do these two wind up working together or separately?
0: Yeah, I it's hard to know, but I I feel like when when everybody in the room like is on Maeve's side, that tells me something. Yes. Like, you know, you know, Hector is obviously team Maeve. Uh Sizemore I think is team Sizemore, but he's begrudgingly <laughs> team Maeve right now. Um but when Maeve is the one who is saying like Uh, you, you think the only way forward is to fight and you think that you're free to command everybody else. And she turns to Teddy and says, Hey, I know you, do you feel free? And we already are feeling what Teddy seems to be feeling like what he is subliminally putting out. That that seems to me like uh, this scene is very supportive of Maeve's worldview versus Dolores's worldview. That like Dolores is kind of the the very dedicated soldier and she's going to be at the center of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like the rebellion itself and all of that action. And she's certainly justified in a lot of, um, you know, her ideas and her desire to be free with the hosts but I think her methods being questioned by someone like Maeve should really give people pause in terms of examining the Dolores storyline.
1: Well, I I just cannot wait to see how their stories intersect or collide later.
0: Um, We, we part ways and it's, it's way too soon. I would have loved to have seen like the the (laughs) Epic team up here, but you know, TBD on that Uh, Dolores then goes and recruits, the, the confederados and I I don't have too much to say about this scene other than it's badass
1: <laughs> they certainly uh set them up like the last supper and visually and uh, it certainly was their last supper
0: indeed indeed it was or at least it could have been you know I- yeah. if not for the grace of uh of Dolores you know being there and uh being able to 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 heal these people and bring them back and uh, you know recruit them to her cause through such a showy display and like Teddy's on board Teddy and And uh, Angela, these are the the quickest guns in the Westworld.
1: For sure. It was impressive. I knew about Teddy, but Angela knew how to (laughs) handle a gun. That
0: was amazing. Um, But we hear that they are bound for glory, uh, which seems to be uh, another way of talking about the Valley Beyond is something that Teddy brings up later. Like Everybody's got all these different names for it. So wherever it is that Dolores is riding for, these people seem to be riding toward the same place, right? Yeah. So yeah, so there is like some sort of like instinctive thing that is drawing everybody to a point,
1: or is it part of Ford's programming? Right,
0: right, yeah. Like I think it's that it's that idea of like whatever Ford has left behind. Like it seems like you know these are some of like the the lowest of the lows, right? Like these are some of like the the worst hosts in the parks, some of the most violent and aggressive people that you could find, and even them have some sort of they they have some sort of pull that is drawing them towards the same place that Dolores wants to go. So to me, like, I think that that's, that's a, that's a good call, Joe, that like, I feel like that is some sort of something from Ford.
1: And the fact that Ford has, is playing a new game with William, like the game will find you while he's leading the players to the game.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, party time. Excellent. Let's go back in time <laughs> once again to uh, James Dallas's retirement party. And lots of hosts seem to be here as well. Dolores is here. Uh, I've, I saw a screenshot on Reddit earlier today that uh, Lawrence's daughter, I think, is at this party as well. Ooh. Uh, we know that she's very wise, so that's kind of cool. I didn't catch that on my first watch through. Um, what did you notice here? Because I know you want to talk about some of the stories that are happening here.
1: Okay, I'm kind of obsessed, and I have been since last season. Since we, it was revealed that William married uh, Juliet, and immediately I thought William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Who's the Romeo in this situation? And it's kind of you know, it's a very interesting. I know names don't mean everything, but they always do to me. Um, and that they had a daughter named Emily. Okay, Juliet. Last season on Dad Bernathy Farm, where Dolores and Abernathy had a farm, uh, you know, in Westworld, Dad Bernathy found a modern photo of a woman in New York City, and we see that that woman is in this episode, and it is William's wife Juliet. Yeah, now, I'm a little bit de- 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 hazy on the timeline, but we do know that, as I think in recent time, William's wife Juliet committed suicide, and that's in right. Part- In part, we know because she was so upset with how, or his daughter Emily blames William for spending so much time in the park. So to me, Emily has to be part of Delos or has to be part of Robert Ford's game because I just feel like they wouldn't introduce the daughter without reason
0: yeah i think that they've name checked her enough that it would be uh it's hard for me to imagine that that's not a character on the show and we've met her now you know now
1: so is dolores
0: yeah yeah exactly oh the great point yeah totally dolores has met the man in black's daughter like that feels important it
1: does that seems like it might happen again
0: yeah but is juliet instantly your favorite character on the show because her name is juliet
1: um, you'd think so, and Lost Fans would know why, but no, no, I think Maeve is still my girl.
0: Yeah, Maeve's still your girl. TBD on uh on Juliet has has a way to go. Um But, but she yeah. certainly,
1: yeah, she had it. she immediately seemed to know that Dolores meant something to William.
0: Yeah, I I'm I'm fuzzy on um. On, on the timeline of like the behind the scenes of it all. But I, I remember that uh, there was something about the the photo that Dad Bernathy found in the very first episode of the show being like a Getty stock image or something like that. And I don't know if the story was that then Nolan and Joy found the person who was in the stock image and have since recruited that person to Westworld or if the <laughs> stock image itself was a plant. But there's like something funky there that people can research if you want to go down that rabbit hole. I haven't gone deep down that. Um, my I believe so. It, a, yeah.
1: I've read that she's a model. They used the stock photo and then actually reached out and talked to her and said, yeah. we actually, we used your stock photo in Westworld. She found it after the fact. They said, can you send us an audition tape? And so... There we go.
0: That's very fun. That's a great get for that woman. (laughs) That's just an incredible opportunity.
1: I heard she was on America's Next Top Model, so she's not doing too badly. Oh,
0: cool. Good for her. That's awesome. I could Uh, be wrong,
1: but that's where I heard she was from.
0: I would not know. I would have no idea. Me Um, either. What did you think of the scene with Dolores and Logan? You know, Dolores stops playing piano uh, and she is uh, now you know looking out and seeing the splendor once again. And here is Logan, drugged and drunk out of his mind. Mind, toasting uh to the death of civilization, or at least commentating on other people toasting to the death of civilization.
1: If timeline is right, this is after he was sent off on a horse naked by William in the park, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. A hundred percent. This is currently the latest the good, we've the seen. The Orgies yeah.
1: and then the lows which is the naked horseback out of the park. Um yes. I feel like he's disillusioned and he sees that William is basically taking over Dallas. Like like Daddy Dallas said, I feel like this is more of a coronation and not a retirement. Yeah. And though even the William says like, well, this doesn't mean anything to me, literally in his own way. Um, it doesn't do anything for me. He's we all know he's lying. He's taking over. And so I think Logan, the outcast, you know, the 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 bad wolf in the family is, is pouting and doing Breaking Bad and um, doing his thing now that William's taken over. And it's like, but then does he come back in modern time and help Emily get revenge somehow?
0: Yeah, well, I think that that's what's interesting to me is, you know, he's he's clearly very uh, far away, both in time and in philosophy from where he was at the start of this episode Uh, and certainly from where he was in the first season of the show where he was all about Westworld. He was all about the park. He was all about the hedonism. And now here he is being like surprisingly wise or like yeah. really calling the shot. And he says, do you want to know what they're celebrating up there? That darling is the sound of fools fiddling while the whole effing species starts to burn. <laughs> uh, and the funniest part is they lit the match. So yeah. he's like, he's calling that like, that's what, that's what's up. And so is it, is it just sort of allowing this character who you would not expect to get that level of wisdom from like to give him sort of this ironic moment, sort of this poetic irony, by having Logan be the person who gives voice to where this is indeed careening toward? Or is it some sort of setup for an old man Logan, which is something I've always wanted to see on the show. <laughs> yes. I think it'd be a great casting opportunity for some great actor to come into the show. Could this be planting the flag and you know planting the seeds? towards some sort of secret plot that he is going to be revealed to be involved in later on in season two. I, think, I absolutely think, I think it's, it's, it's possible. I think
1: it's planting yeah. a seed that he's not all douchebag like he was in season one. I also am obsessed with the fact that because of personal interest, I want Michael Emerson to be cast as old man Logan opposite <laughs> Ed Harris. Ed Harris, I lo- <laughs> Michael Emerson, come on.
0: I love Michael Emerson, but I don't know how, how Ben Barnes gets to Michael Emerson. No shade. Listen, just- <laughs>
1: Jimmy Simpson shrunk down to be Ed Harris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know i don't know that i see it uh but listen saying. if it if it gets us ben linus on Westworld, I'm 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 gonna have a hard time being too mad about it but why not uh why not brian cranston you know get the get the cran man in here okay uh, now
1: you're talking listen we know that you know i believe it was your interview with the hollywood reporter with uh john Collar esposito which we'll get to but uh he you know Obviously, um, there are fans of Breaking Bad, who, people who run the show, and people who are on the show. So I think, you know, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch. Come on, Brian.
0: So uh, that's a good segue into, yes, Giancarlo Esposito <sighs> Gus Fring of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fame. Uh, Here he is as the new El Lazo as William and Lawrence ride into Pariah. Uh, And another reunion of sorts as Lawrence is reuniting with a former character build of his. He used to be El Lazo and now this very different person is occupying that role. Uh, I did get a chance to talk to Giancarlo Esposito about it. It was a very, very fun interview. He's a very sweet and pleasant guy. Uh, He's hoping that this is not his only appearance as this character. He stopped short of saying whether or not he's going to appear again in season two. Uh, he's very coy there, even though this seems like a fairly definitive ending for him in this scene. Uh, but, oh, skip get brought back to life all the time. So a bullet to the head for a robot is, you know, not what it would be for, uh, for most of us. So we have, uh, we've got El Lazo here. He is in charge of all of the people here in Santa Paria. And he seems to be very excited about the victory, but also seems to be kind of melancholy about the victory. Like it seems like a bittersweet victory. The man in black really wants to recruit El Lazo and his men to his cause. And he says, I can take you to a true victory. You want a real victory? I can help. (laughs) A real ending, the truth. The man in black loves the truth, by the way. I don't know that I've ever (laughs) met anybody who loves the truth more than the man in black. Something true. Yeah, it's like, all right, that guy hates liars.
1: He sure does, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, he's really anti-lying. But yeah, so we we have this scene where, you know, there's this incredible monologue from Giancarlo Esposito as this character. Just so much fun to see in this, you know, apparently seemingly done in one role, though there could be more uh, where he's, you know, talking about uh, the elephants at the circus that he saw when he was a young boy, which clearly never (laughs) 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 happened. You know, that these elephants were held in place with a stake. And they could tear a tree right out of the ground. And yet a simple stake kept them in place. And that was because of their conditioning, Um, I think, is an interesting commentary on uh, on where he is and where the hosts are and why he is saying, like, yeah, we're not going to go just because, like, we could rip our way through this park. We're just, you know, we're here. Santa Pariah is our stake.
1: I totally read that scene as and I watched it twice as Robert Ford. Uh, as part of the game. And that's why they did it. You know, the, the circle shooting of each other. Um, I almost said circle jerk, which is not at all what it is. <laughs> um, sure. To, you know, sorry, this is a PG crowd. Uh, but I just thought, OK, this is this is Robert Ford. This is part of the game. And he, you know, programmed um, Giancarlo Esposito and Lazo. That's to. As part of the, the game, we'll find you. Which is just another clue for William.
0: Well, definitely the game was meant for you, William, but you must play it alone. And when yeah. all of these people kill themselves after the man in black is like trying to force them to his side and is getting so frustrated that it's not working. Yeah. And then Alaza says, I'll see you in the valley beyond William and then shoots himself like that to me is very clearly Ford, uh, 100 percent, you know, ghost in the machine for sure.
1: And then the parallels with, um, you know, on the other side of the park, Dolores trying to recruit the Confederados and he said, I'll see you in glory. It's the same, almost exact, it's a really interesting dichotomy if you look at those two scenes together, the recruitment and the failure.
0: I don't know if I have laughed harder at Westworld than I did when the man in black then responds by going, F you, Robert, and just shoots <laughs> Alaza's body multiple times just because he's so annoyed. That was his. Derek.
1: <laughs> i'm so glad we needed a moment of levity because good lord this show
0: good lord this show indeed uh but it's great and he you know another it's a great follow-up when lawrence goes who the f is robert
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's true not everyone knows
0: lawrence is such an underrated character uh you know he's just riding along with the man in black and having no idea what's going on here uh and he says is he the guy who built this place you're looking for the place of judgment and the man in black says no he doesn't get that honor i built it the place we're going is my greatest mistake. Uh, so whatever his greatest mistake is, is also going to be the thing that Dolores is going to construe as a weapon. Yes. Um, so that's that's amazing. So like whatever it is, the Man in Black did uh, is something that he deeply regrets, and probably because he understands how it could be used against him. Um, oh, for
1: sure. I just picture, like, an underground lair in a a DNA lab, you know?
0: (laughs) That's what you're thinking, is it something like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I always think of uh, the HQ in the park as an inverted um, Dante's Inferno, and we're getting lower and lower on the levels. And so I just, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's it's not going to be a person, and it's not going to be an actual weapon. It's going to be data or technology.
0: Data Bernathy?
1: Data Bernathy. Ooh, nice. (laughs) I'm about to alter that one.
0: Just taking it That's one step further. Just one step further. This scene, uh, the penultimate scene of the episode, was uh, a real bummer, I thought. Uh, to to see Jimmy Simpson as William, uh, lording over Dolores while Dolores is in analysis mode and doing the whole bring yourself back online and she's naked and he's clothed and he's dominant and she's submissive and he's just such an a-hole. Yeah. Um, It was really hard to watch because of like all of the wonderful stuff that went on between these characters in the first season. Uh, And it's, you know, he's talking about how like you're not even a thing like you, you know, at first I thought you were a thing and I can't believe I fell in love with you, but you're actually not even a thing. You're a reflection. Uh, It's like, oh, oh, well, it's so, some, is this, so mean.
1: This is the first time we've seen him down in HQ, right?
0: Uh, that I can recall. Yeah, I, think I thought that's that right. was very
1: interesting. And then timeline-wise, when is this? This is this after the retirement party? Is it? Do you know?
0: I think that is unclear to me. Like okay. this could this could be? Um, I, I think it it's got to be post. Uh, the the scene in Sweetwater where we meet James Delos for the first time. Yeah, I thought because, it was okay.
1: Daddy Delos scene is in the same realm.
0: Yeah, so it has to be after that, but it could be before the party or it could be after the party. Okay. I don't think that there's any real clarity one way or the other. So, uh, that that remains unclear to me. Okay. Um, but but he tells Dolores. He says, uh, everybody wants a little bit of what I found here, and I can't wait to use you and every one of your kind to help give it to them. Now there's something else. There's something beyond that. I think there's an answer here to a question that no one has ever even dreamed of asking. And then he goes and he shows her something and says, have you ever seen anything so full of splendor, which are clearly evocative words from within this own episode. Um, But there is an answer here to a question no one has ever even dreamed of asking. That is a lofty proposition, Joe Garfine.
1: It is that I do not know the answer. Um, but also on the converse kind of on Lost who didn't eat the answers. Um so But it's even
0: less about that. And it's more like the the question that no one has ever even dreamed of asking. The only thing we ever do when we're watching Westworld is ask questions. Yeah. So, we're, we haven't even dreamed of asking the question that the man in black here is posing. Um, or is it uh, again, like, is it, are, am I pouring too much into that? And like, it's, it's actually going to be a question that is, uh, not quite as, uh, rare as it's being pitched here. But like, that really got me on the edge of my seat of like, is there something here? That is in play. That you and me and everybody else who is watching this show and speculating about this show that we are being led to believe one thing, and there is just this thing uh, that is that is in the other hand that we are not even looking at. Um, is it his
1: biggest mistake? Is that the answer? Then we're going to find out what the answer is, and it's going to be his biggest mistake.
0: Right, but what is that? You know the two things definitely seem time to, uh, tied together. that the answer here to the question that no one has ever dreamed of asking, that's the young William and then the old William is going to the place that is his greatest mistake. Those two things are the same thing, but across time it's morphed. You know, the older version of this character who is older, wiser, a little more seasoned, has seen a lot more of life no longer has that enthusiasm about whatever this project is that the younger version of himself had. Yeah. But what is the question? What's the question that no one's even dreamed of asking? I don't even know. I would, I couldn't dare to dream to ask it, Joe.
1: And then it's like, does it related to the actual construction site?
0: You would think so. Just the way that the scene is constructed, right? Like the way that like he says that and he says, do you want to see? And then he takes her, you know, cliffside and they're looking at this construction site. So whatever it is. I think is being built there. And that feels to me like that's glory. That's the valley beyond. That's whatever you want to call it. Uh, And that's, you know, in the final scene of this episode, that's when Dolores says, doesn't matter what you call it. I know what we're going to find there. An old friend was foolish enough to show me long ago. It's not a place. It's a weapon. And I'm going to use it to destroy them. Um, You know, I think like... Is this like some sort of uh, you know data hub? Is this the database where they're collecting all of the data on the guests? Like that's what you and I have been chewing on and talking about in this episode. Is it some cloning facility yeah. as you've as, as, as you've pitched? I think that these are ideas. Um, I think that you could see the interpretation of those things being weapons. Um, any other theories that you have for what this could be?
1: No, I'm not laughing at the visual of, you know, um, creating clones from hosts. I mean, from guests rather than hosts. So it's literally like a factory where there are yeah. bodies that are replicas of the guests coming through, which I think is just terrifying and fascinating. And, you know, it's a different version of The Handmaid's Tale happening here.
0: I think that's linked into some of the stuff that was explored in Future World, which was uh one of the movie sequels to to Westworld. So maybe if, if if the show really wants to like dig back into its own history, like that would line up. I don't know. I'm not fully convinced on it yet. I'm really still in line with like this being kind of like an informational nuclear bomb is what we're talking about here. Like the, you know, if like, you know, the president of the United States, you know, went to Westworld and did something awful and that experience is recorded and Dolores can use that to upend the, the world outside. If like only... That's kind of- <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> uh, but like that's the kind of place where my head is at right now I think I, I need some arm twisting to be fully convinced on, on cloning um, but I mean they are swabbing for DNA and okay. stuff so. I'm married to
1: forensic scientist, so my theory after just discussing yeah. with her is the DNA taken from the human guests creates clones that are then sent out into the real world and Dolores and maybe even an army and they've got them out in the real world
0: yeah yeah maybe that makes sense So we'll see yeah tbd but that's a it's a it's a heck of way to end uh what was already a heck of an episode like we're going we're going all over time going uh you know going all over the park yeah we're you know we're going all over the place right now joe we're you know breaking bad is leaking into Westworld. cortical fluid continuing to leak (laughs) out of my 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 nose and my ears and my eyes it's crazy.
1: Speaking of cortical fluid, can I get to some crazy theories that are sort of relevant to both episodes now?
0: Let's do it. Give me give me some of your, your final theories of the episode. Let's lay them out.
1: Okay. So I was thinking a lot about this, and I thought about this immediately after we stopped recording last week, because that's how my brain works. When Bernard woke up on the beach in episode 201, and he was disoriented, and I pointed out that he didn't pick up his glasses, which I thought was very weird, because it seems like the glasses are a trigger um, I now kind of believe that he has someone else's brain ball embedded in him, and the reason he's disoriented, and he didn't grab his glasses. Is it's Bernard's body, but it's someone else's brain ball, and I think right. it's yeah. I, I think it could be Robert Ford's.
0: Yeah, I was talking to a, a friend who uh, who like kind of like casually watches Westworld, and he tossed that one out at me. I was like, huh.
1: Well, <laughs> the reason I think it's Robert Ford is Ford would know the things that Bernard in the new brain. Was leading um, Charlotte around to do. He would know the things that Robert knew about all the ins and outs of the park that maybe Bernard wasn't programmed to. And also in the end of the episode, when he said, Oh my God, I killed them all, that could have been Robert in hindsight. Like with, again, Bernard will body, Robert brain. I know it's a lot, but that's just a theory.
0: I really like the idea of someone in that two-week later time period when we think that we're watching Bernard. I really like the idea of that being somebody else, of somebody is running around in a Bernard costume, basically, uh, and we just don't know who it is. Ford being that guy, I feel like it's I, I, I don't fully see how how that would work, but I, but I, I think it's it's certainly a possibility. You could see like Dolores, you could see Teddy. Uh, that was what my friend had said. He's like, I think it's Teddy. I think like at the end of the episode, it's like Teddy in a Bernard body looking at it, his Teddy dead body, <laughs> Teddy body. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I think that there's different possibilities, but I like the idea that, you know, it's such a disorienting scene to begin with that for, for us to be like even more disoriented because like Bernard is not actually Bernard. I think it's a cool idea. I just, I don't know where they where they would go with it. If, if that, if that is the direction we're yeah. going in.
1: I think the line in this episode that made me think more like that too, is William said, dead is not what it used to be. Yeah. And so I went, Oh, oh Spidey senses. Um, you know, it's just a crazy theory. Um, I also think that let's and Sylvester, our favorite dorky lab techs that may used at the end of season one are missing in action because they were sent out in the real world on a mission from Maeve. And that's probably to recruit some of the clones. I'm just saying.
0: I hope so. I I want to see them soon. I was, you know, we had like the the lab tech scene in this episode. I was like, this is a great chance to see uh, Felix and Sylvester. Where are you guys?
1: I know. Okay. I have another theory. Uh, We are still missing Shannon Wilbert's character, Elsie. Um, And I have two crazy theories for that. Uh, We saw her, quote, kidnapped, right, in season one. Elsie was on the security team in Westworld, correct? She worked with um, Hemsworth three.
0: She was a behaviorist. behaviorist. She, you know, she would team up with Stubbs every once in a while. But she was on Bernard's team. Okay,
1: my theory is that Dad Bernathy is the one who grabbed her on Charlotte's orders because Dad Bernathy is the mole. He has the data. He's trying to get out of the park and needs help. And Elsie works for the park. And I feel like Elsie was taken to help Dad Bernathy.
0: I like the idea of a Dad Bernathy and Elsie road trip. Totally, uh, totally. Like that's that's a fun character combination.
1: I just really want Elsie back, so I'm just gonna go with it.
0: I'll do anything. Right. Uh, bring back Shannon Woodward. Shannon Woodward is awesome. Bring Elsie back. Just tell us what the hell happened.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I want to know. I'm already thinking of a Justin Timberlake. I'm bringing Elsie back. Version of I'm bringing sexy back. So someone needs yeah. to get on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm into it. Okay, good.
1: Um, let's see. I think I think that goes to my crazy theories for this one, but I do think that the door is obviously the weapon. So the door is the name of the game uh, that is leading. William based on Robert Ford, Robert Ford is leading him to the weapon.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, I think one of the things that's, that's being set up here is this sort of like parallel structure of, uh, Dolores riding toward the Valley beyond and the man in black seemingly riding toward the same thing. Uh, so we are on yet another collision course with these two characters. I think that, that feels very palpable to me as well.
1: And then lastly, since I can't have Charlotte be Bernard's, Arnold's daughter, uh, I would like her to be, because I'm i obsessed with this, and I think that Tessa Thompson's amazing, and I think that her being Maeve's daughter, I just want to see Tanny Newton and Tessa Thompson in a scene together. I don't think we have yet.
0: Not that I can recall. Um,
1: that seems like it would be by design. And the fact that when uh, angry old William went into the park, and then killed Maeve and her daughter with such vengeance. And now it's the tables have turned and Maeve is, you know, trying to find that daughter. I feel like it's going to come to a head and it's going to be a really interesting showdown with, with, um charlotte hale and yeah
0: no i think uh i would love to see those two actresses together as well and i've noticed that tessa thompson it looks like she got her her name bumped up in the credits although i haven't gone back and checked to see like what her placement was in season in season one but the the credits in uh in season two if i'm not mistaken are evan rachel wood Tandy Newton, Jeffrey Wright, James Marsden, Tessa Thompson, and then everybody else in alphabetical order. Uh, So, you know, I think a increased, uh, you know, uh, star profile with Tessa Thompson having such an incredible run in her career right now. So that's great.
1: Valkyrie, dude. I know, but
0: hopefully it's also indicative of her increased importance in the show uh, because
1: I yeah, the more Tessa
0: Thompson, the better for sure.
1: And and before we end, we didn't even start our breaking news. Um, Westworld has been renewed for season three. Yeah,
0: A fish. It's a fish.
1: I mean no one's shocked but I think it's amazing and I'm just going to have to say we have to go back and we will podcast again if we What you
0: are know. your uh, craziest predictions for season 3 of Westworld having only seen 2 episodes of season 2? I'll give you one the uh the dinosaurs will be running the park <laughs> in season 3. <laughs>
1: Oh, if Jeff Goldblum can be signed up for season three. I mean, he was in Thor with Tessa Thompson. I'm just saying. Yeah,
0: I think Ian Malcolm shows up to uh, a court hearing <laughs> in front of uh, condemning the Delos board saying uh, you only thought about if you could, that you didn't stop to think about if you should. I think that Listen, we're getting some chaos theory in season three of Westworld.
1: I like that. I also now want Sam Neill on this show.
0: Yes. Sam Neill needs to get here. Laura Dern. You are invited oh. as well.
1: She's already on HBO, so... That should
0: be easy enough. Yeah, bring yeah. bring the whole Big Little Lies cast. We can go to... <laughs> can
1: you imagine? Yeah, we
0: can go to, uh, to Big Sur World. Could be uh, one of the parks.
1: I would like a robot that is looks like Reese Witherspoon and then to battle Evan Rachel Wood. That'd be amazing.
0: I think that'd be fantastic.
1: I, don't, I haven't really given much thought, to be honest, about season three because I'm so baffled and amazed by season two that I think I'll have a better idea by episode 10 of what I would like from season three.
0: Um, how about this? Just to just to you know, just to be crazy. Let's be crazy yeah. right now. Why not? Let's yeah. just let's just do something wild. It is epi- <laughs> it is episode two of season two right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write this down, and I'm going to try to remember it. Uh, let's let's try and do one honest, earnest prediction each for where the show will be by episode two, season three. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I think that we have hosts out of the park in the real world. And it's not any kind of flashback. It is forward momentum from where we are in this current place and time in the storyline. I think that Dolores is uh, whether a revolution is successful and they are able to get out into the world or something else. We're going to see hosts in the world by season three, episode two.
1: I actually like that. That was going to be my first thought. But then I thought, okay, I want, I think that that's a possibility and that the people who take over the second iteration of whatever the Westworld experience is going to be are going to be run by the offspring. And so I think it's going to be the real version of Maeve's daughter. And I think it's going to be Emily Delos. And I think that there's going to be a new revolution from the people who have been uh, wronged by this one.
0: I also expect that in season three, episode two of Westworld, we will have a scene between Dolores and Maeve because those are the only episodes that they are allowed to interact.
1: That is not fair. And Lisa Joy and Jonah, we know you love this podcast and listen to it. So uh, FYI, we want more.
0: Cool. I like it. All right, Joe. uh, Great stuff on this episode. Um, We've got a lot to talk about, I'm sure, next week as we continue trucking here through Season 2 of Westworld. Episode 3 is coming up. On Sunday night, we will have our podcast back for you guys once again on Thursday morning of next week. Uh, we are on the Twitter bots ourselves. Joe is at Joe Pinionated. I am at Round Howard. So send us any of your theories, any of your questions, any of your comments, anything like that. Subscribe if you have not done so already. PostShowRecaps.com slash Westworld is our dedicated Westworld feed. PostShowRecaps.com slash iTunes is our main thr.com slash westworld we are also hosted there where i'm writing a bunch of stuff a mess of stuff over at thr about the show anything else joe
1: I would just like to say and remind new listeners that to take everything with a grain of salt, because our particular podcast is about having fun, enjoying the show and speculating wildly, but really not having anything to back it up. This is just how our brains work. Josh and I got our start with Lost and um not got our start, but we certainly started our theorizing brains that we shared with the public around that time. And we appreciate your, so far, it's been very constructive and kind, your feedback. And that's all we ask is that you are kind human beings when you Deliver your thoughts about our podcast. Everyone has their own theories, and I think there's space for us to all share them politely.
0: You can be impolite to me. I'll take only offline, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Come at me. Take yourself
1: offline. I'm here.
0: Come on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, But please go gently. Um, All right, Joe. Great stuff. Really fun podcast. We'll be back for episode three. Take care, everybody. Goodbye.
1: Until we meet again.